This is Mark. And this is Kenny. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Album 11, track three. I'm so stupid. song worth writing home about. <laughs> Listen, Mark, this song is in my top five. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Of all time or just yeah, of this record? Yeah, of all time. Of all, yeah. t- all time of any recording artist or all time Madonna song. No, all time top five Madonna songs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But right. listen, no, I'm excited. I'm excited too. But this, before we get too deep into it, we really need to like introduce our special guest today. Yes. Um, we have a special guest today because we thought uh, I'm so stupid is too caffeinated for two people. It's It needs <laughs> three. Um, Kari Simon is a creative director working in media brand packaging and art at his core and I believe this he is a storyteller working to create and recreate brand narratives aside from his work with brands Kari co-edits and publishes a French and US based biannual art publication Crush that's all capitals, fanzine with his co-editor, Nicholas Wagner. Kari also worked works as a curator and advises on various art collections. Welcome, Kari. That's a mouthful. Hi. So happy you're <laughs> nice. here. So Hi, everyone. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Listen, Kari, um, when this is how we met, okay? Because uh, I guess you were, you were uh, listening to the podcast. You followed us on Instagram. I yes. think I liked something of yours on Instagram once, and then you slid into the DMs and were like, um, I really like your podcast. I want to meet you guys because I want to fight you guys. <laughs> Which, you know, is, 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 is our way of like, like bring it. Like, let's, bring it, go. let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's lace up our shoes. So um, then, yeah. you know, yeah. That's not unusual. Like, I, I, I have a history of writing fan letters to people. Some of my best friends are artists that I admire from afar. And then I literally wrote them a fan letter. I was like, right, I love your work so much. Is there any way I can take you out for coffee? And then we become friends. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe not. Or maybe they hate me. I don't know. Maybe they want to arm wrestle you. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> well, we we did arm wrestle, and yeah. um, I we won't talk about who won. It's yeah. not, uh, but actually, you were such a great, gracious uh, new friend. You invited us for a delicious dinner. We had an amazing conversation, and I've had several yeah. since then. And um, when we talked about you coming on the show, you were like, "I want to come on for I'm so stupid," like without without blinking. Without um, blinking, it never happens that way. Usually, people want to talk about like into the groove, and you're just like, "I'm so stupid." I was like, "Yes." What is it about this song that made this jump right up into your into your cortex? Like the way it kind of 
phrase, kind of like frame who Madonna is kind of to me, is always about who she, not just who she is, is that who she is when it's juxtaposed to who I am at that time. Mm. And then with I'm So Stupid, I was coming off of the heels of a breakup. I think I think some time earlier. And then it's not just that specific breakup. It's about like dating, you know, and that that kind of love and loss in New York that we all have. And I think yeah. that you, when you talk to a friend and you're explaining the situation, and they're like, "Ugh, you're so stupid," <laughs> or, or, or and not only that, you tell a story that sounds ridiculous about like a person you went out with and or whatever, and that love and that loss, and but that bounce to it is what really resonated with me. And so uh, I remember I was, I you know how you. Friends that are much, I have friends that are much smarter than I, you know, and so like there's certain friends, like for example, I don't read the newspaper. I just have smart friends that just filter things and tell me about how I should think about things. And I have a really smart friend, William Johnson, who was a really smart thinker and writer, and he was just like, uh, he was like, oh, you have to listen to this because I mean, the the album was already released. You guys know more yeah. of history, and then it. it, it then there were a few singles, and this was just, he was like, you got to hear this. And then we hear this, and then it would be instantly, like, our heads were bopping up and down. Like, okay, here we go. Like, like we're cooking with oil now. Like, this is amazing. And so it just, it's such a moment of, it, 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 of kind of being emotionally drained at times, but at the same time, still persevering, still bouncing your head through the streets of New York. Still, still, you still have elasticity in that rubber, rubber, in that rubber band. Does that make sense? Well, I think it's also yeah. something where she's articulating a kind of uh, durability and a kind of grappling with the the power of grappling with your weaknesses and your vulnerability, and, and the fact that she's willing to face that gives her more power. And I think that that that's something that a lot of people respond to with this song is she's the first one to admit that you know. Um, I wanted to be in, with all the pretty people, you know, it's, it's, she's, she's very open about her, her faults and her flaws. And I think that that's, that's really resonant for people. I think that it's a song that it sneaks in. It's like, I, I can't think of exactly. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, Madonna's song. Oh, that voice. Yeah. I hear that voice. And then it transforms. It transcends. It's a robot. It is unhuman. And it's raw and it's East Villagey eighties y, you know? And it's like, oh, here I am. I still got this trick up my sleeve. Uh stylistically, it's like I'm still I, I'm out, I'm out here. I'm trying new things. I'm 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 punk. I'm cool. I'm Iggy Pop. I'm whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's doing that. And not that it is that, but it's like it's it's she doesn't have to do that. And she did that. And that was really kind of cool. But I was stupid. All the reasons Kari is 
um, noting are all the reasons I love it too. I totally agree that like it's like um, it's a total punk moment. And I feel like the first two tracks on this album sort of, you know, she's she's exploring this vulnerability in this album and in this real sort of like, we never thought we'd hear Madonna say like, I'm so stupid, you know? And yet here she is like really putting herself out there and saying, you know, I've made these mistakes. I I was looking at the wrong things and now, and don't tempt me with, with you know, money and fame and fortune because those are my sort of weaknesses. I'm trying to stay on track and do this thing. But at the same time, I think like I hear the song and it makes me feel like I'm in like a club in the, in the Lower East Side in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's hard. And it's also really like, it's a stupid song. Like it's so simple, you know, it's like mm. two chords and like just this guitar, there's stuff over it, but it's really, it's really raw in that way. And the energy of the song like keeps building and building. So, and I find the melody to be like one of her most beautiful. Um, oh yeah. Like, you know, oh like, God, yeah. especially when we get into the, please don't try to tempt me, you know, like, but all of it is so like, I just, I always sing it every time it comes on. And I think that, well, I, that, yeah, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, just that, that beginning, you know, we have this sort of like just little guitar lick and her sort of, you know, repeating a part of it. But then when it gets into the Ah, and you're like, oh my God, where the fuck are we going now? I think that's just such a wild move, you know, after Hollywood, like where we've sort of been like lulled into like this kind of easy sound. And she's like, turn the station. I'm going to turn the station. And then she fucking turns the station. Stupider than stupid. I'm no longer in inter interested in engaging with natural human voice and yeah. I want to be raw and use like this microphone and sound like classic Madonna flatness and stuff like that. I think it sounds so cool. And also she also is playing in a familiar playground of like um, heartbreak or uh, resilience from heartbreak and stuff like, let's say, uh, Secret Garden. Where um, the, let's say it's the boots that came, the boots have trampled on me, but I'm still alive. It's still the same idea, but it's not so morose. It's not so heart wrenching. It's like, yeah, this guy screwed me over. Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, but you know what? I'm still dancing and I'm having a blast. And uh, I'm not. It hasn't really bruised me. It kind of hit me, but it didn't bruise me. And that's mm. like a great uh, sentiment with it. And uh, like I think about other songs, like let's say, like um, it's not a companion song, and, and like don't shoot me or whatever. But like I think that like you listen to the, like doll parts. Doll eyes, doll 
And I think that I love that song, right? And I think about Doll Parts as being with Court, by Courtney Love. And I think about that being this darker, more hurt, more damaged, more honest mirror on a view where I'm so stupid is it's all of those things, but it decides to be like, yeah, in the in this this marble still spinning until it's not going to spin anymore. We're all going to die, but let's have fun in the meantime. Mark and Kenny, so I will have a question for you guys. There's two parts that you think the song's over. You think you, you, you've bopped and it's like you had a good dance. And then everybody's stupid, stupid. Do you, yeah. that? and it plucks you more. Everybody. And, yeah, yeah. Everybody. It keeps plucking yeah, you. Yeah. It keeps plucking you more. Like, where are you, where are your thoughts on this? Everybody's looking for something. I love it. I mean, I think to me, it, it is just like, I don't actually want this song to end. Um, no. And so I'm really glad when she, and she employs this all through the album and, and sometimes to in this song to great effect and in other songs, I feel like, oh, it's one verse too many, you know, but I'm so happy when she sort of pulls us back and then she like explodes back into the song again. I think it makes it even stronger for me personally. Um, I also I, I also imagine this was a song that she wrote on her guitar herself and brought it in. And then Murway kind of took it and started to work on it. And that breakdown near the end of her riffing on everyone's looking for something, everybody's stupid, stupid. I think she improved that in the studio and made it. Mm. And kind of like as the song goes off the rail, she just is kind of like almost like a jazz musician does, where the song that she had written was kind of done. But they had kind of broken it down and it had become this other thing. And she starts just riffing off of it as it goes. Like, like I don't pretend to know her or anything, you know, but I think that like, I think that it feels familiar. It feels East Village, early 80s E. And that's like, if I, I imagine if I were in a world or her, where you've traveled so much, you had this LA time, you had this London time, and yeah. you know, you 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 feel like okay, this is this this is where I felt at home. This is these are this is when I was rocking with the kids, and this is when I felt like I was risking something, and it felt kind of interesting. And so, uh, I think that that is kind of some of the, um, I don't know, like it's like the the, the gristle to it, the ugliness to it. And oh, I love so, the word gristle. <laughs> and, and so I think that <laughs> say it again, Kari. Um, say it in that voice of yours, gristle. gristle. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think also when you, there's a part where she kind of growls herself when she goes ended up for nothing. Maybe that's the part. Yeah. That's that. Evita vocal training that got there. She's she's barely out of her reach, and then she growls to yes. get the rest of it. Yes. When she, I think it's the New Argentina when she does that. Yes, um, yes. 
And it's just so, but it's also in this super pared down punk song or punk yes, or punk yes, or whatever. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, it's not yeah, Gigi Allen. It's just, it's, it, it's, the, you know, it's, it's a different song. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going back and I, I found Kenny when we did physical attraction back in the day, we, uh, we posted a video of her performing it like, Remember that video? It like she it's pat, practically pitch dark and she's singing the 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 bridge maybe we were meant to be together and it sounds a lot like I'm so stupid like her her nasal like voice that kind of harshness is there that and I was listening I found it the other night again and I was like oh my god it's the I'm so stupid vote like she's still she's using that part of her side her that side of herself again Well, she talks very consciously about, you know, holding that part of her voice and and making sure that it's always present. Like that that part that reaches, that part that's like a younger woman, you know, like the girl who needs something. Because, Kari, I totally agree. Like that sort of that build up and up and up. And then she gets to that note and you're like, Madonna can't hit that note. And she just gets there with she everything there. she has twice. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and it finishes. May this. not stay on key. May not, but she gets there. Well, live, but you know, we're not talking about live. We're not talking about live. Um, but I want to go back to one thing because I tend to disagree with you, Mark, that she wrote this on guitar. My instinct is that Mirway had this lick and she was improving on it, and then the song was built around it. I I feel like songs like Love Profusion, um, Intervention, Ecstatic Process are definitely Madonna on the guitar. But like I think like this song came from somebody else, like to start, like in that she built melody on top of it. I don't know why I feel I, that way, except that it's much freer. And when I feel like she's writing a song, it has a lot less freedom. Maybe, but I, but I also, I, I don't think it was a finished song. That's the, that's the thing. I think she had ideas no, no, no. and she kind of had like a, like she had started to like 
write it. And she had like some kind of demo because I do think that the, that she had a base to it. And I think she had very specific things that she wanted to talk about and, and, um, and kind of warn people about, I mean, she's still in kind of the, the soothsayer era of this record and being like, the world's fucked up. The culture's fucked up. I was, I was valuing the wrong things. I was greedy. I was with the pretty people, the petty people, you know, and, and, um, and it's almost like, it, it, you know, it's kind of like she has to shed all of it. She has to articulate this, shed it in this song, shed her identity so she can move forward. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I just don't think she had, she wrote it on the guitar. Like, okay. I think somebody else wrote it. That's my opinion, but, you know. Okay, well, that's fine. Ari, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think, I don't know about her process i think i can identify with the emotional intention of it i was going to ask you yeah. guys haven't you haven't you felt stupid like haven't you felt like oh, i bet on the wrong horse and this horse not only this horse not only lost it kicked, it kicked me in the face or something like that and i think that that's what it's about in my mind i feel like she she or somebody she works with stays really connected to yeah. relatable heartache and um heartache that is it, it's not it's, it's not the it's not it's not uh so i don't know like so so dark but it's like at a level that's relatable and understandable and stings but doesn't kill you and i think that she's a she does a good kind of balance of that you know i think that new york sometimes or dating whatever city you're in is is always uh it's always this kind of, okay, uh, I'm balancing these things. I'm trying to do this thing. I think this person is what I want or these things are what I want. And then when it kind of blows up in your face a little bit, what's next? Do you think that also comes from the thing of, because sometimes I know that when I try and after a relationship or something ends, I think to myself, okay, what did I learn? What are the lessons? And what am I not going to do again? And then you wind up doing it again, or you have this, you, you're attracted to the same person with the same, and then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm right back where I, I, I said I'd never go again. And here I am. That's when I have felt um, stupid and powerless and not feeling like, my stupidity comes from why didn't I see this? Because I've I've been here before. I've seen this coming down the pike, and either I chose to ignore it, or I was dazzled by some other part of this person. I've definitely felt stupid in personal relationships a lot, especially around this time when I was well. No, I was I had a boyfriend at this time, but after after we broke up and I started to date, and especially like trying to date and being HIV positive and like finding like I would always get into these circumstances with guys that were like I was like oh I've had this conversation before they always yeah. you know but but I'll say actually the time where I can really relate to this feeling was more professional and it was um in 20 I guess it was 2019 well it started before that in 2018 I started to work on this project with this um company this theater company out of China and it was this crazy project of, um, based oh on God. this. I know I'm going to tell, try to tell the story fast. Um, but uh, I, you know, I have, I've been a writer, professional theater writer, whatever. And I have always had this thing where I like to work on big projects and then I work, like to work on small projects. And at the time I had like had three or four bigger projects that like kept like 
stalling. Like, um, you know, that, oh, this show's going to go to off-Broadway. This show's going to go here. And then, like, it would die somewhere along the way. And it was, like, the same circumstances would happen every time. But, like, I kept trying to get into these big rooms because I thought, well, this will be, you know, exciting and this is the big time. So this project was, in China, it was this gigantic sci-fi adapt adaptation of a of a big sci-fi book. And um, all the warning signs of all the failures or all the problems that had happened on other projects were there. And yet I kept ignoring it because I was like, well, once the show runs, it's going to run for two years. It's going to make me a lot of money. And once I learn how to make a big show like this, I can then go into other rooms and make them and I'll have a cachet. And so I kept just ignoring all the signs. And but he um, would articulate his concerns and these signs to me. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh. And he'd be like, well, this could happen. I'm like, oh. Oh. Yeah, and then this happened, and I and, and I was then he like, got on the really... plane. But oh, he still then, got on the plane. You still got on the plane. I still got on the plane and went to fucking China. I was the only English speaking person like on the <laughs> collaboration, and I was there for two weeks. They told us we were going to be working in Shanghai, and I get there, and they like put me on a on like some van, and we go to like some place in the middle of China. I, I I can point to it on a map, and we were like in the middle of nowhere, and suddenly this this show is a disaster, and I get there, and I'm like, oh my god, I know this feeling. I'm on a roller coaster that's going to crash and I'm so stupid because I knew I was that this was going to happen and now exactly. I have to live through it and like it was like a horrific experience like um and then I decided after that I would never work on a large project again unless I started it myself because I was and so it was one of those moments I was there and I was like I'm so stupid well, and, the, and there's a powerless to it because you, you've already gotten on the roller coaster and you can't get off the roller. Like it's gone. It's taken I, I, I off and you've got to kind yeah. of ride to the end, the inevitable conclusion. And I think I couldn't that, even order my food. I had no, I like, they, I, I was so trapped. So, well, yeah. and that, and that, that maybe that's the like the epitome of the stupidity of this song is like, oh, I, it, maybe it's the realization of where it's going to go and you know you're right yeah. and you know where it's going to end and you just have to kind of endure it till you yeah. get there now. Full, that, full awareness of it. And that could be a month. That could be three weeks. That could be a year. You're just kind of like, oh, God. That I was stupid. Stupider than stupid. What do you guys think about panning, like when the music goes from left to right? Oh here? yeah, because it starts the first the first guitar starts in like your right the electric ear, guitar, the riff, and yeah. and at first I was like, what are my earphones is broken or something? <laughs> <laughs> but I actually love it. I fucking love it. It's a I mean, treat. I don't know about if I know if there's another song doing that. Oh, it happened all the time in this era. Everyone this was era doing for other people. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about in the tabloid oh, Madonna world. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, whenever I, I've been listening to it again on my headphones while biking around New York, and it it, it did jar me the first time again. I'm like, whoa! It caught me off balance. I remember that. Do you like it, Kurt? Got what? Do you like that, Kenny? Oh, I love it. I feel like it's a little treat that she's kind of just delivering right to your ear or to your left ear. It's a little secret that you may not hear in a club or in a room if it's played out loud. Yeah, yeah. It's very of a certain era, which. I think yeah. I am from a certain era and I, I like it. I like it. It's a kind of intimate little detail. I, I wonder like her mind, where does this song sit when you're looking back at like 40 years or so and you're looking back at like mega wattage hits or 
favorites that she probably wished was bigger but didn't like I wonder where this sits with her yeah it's a good question I mean she's only done the, she only did the songs live on the tears of a clown shows those two shows she did um and they're good they're 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 okay live. Well, well, we should talk about that a little. So, so Madonna didn't uh, tour Australia for five world tours. Her last uh, world tour that she went to Australia was um, the Girly Show in 1993, and she kept saying maybe she was going to go. Sticky and Sweet, I know, was they they had kind of said, oh, she's going to do New Zealand and and. Australian, she didn't. And so she finally came back during the Rebel Heart tour and she also added this special one-off show um at the at Melbourne at the forum. And uh it was it was called Tears of a Clown, and it was going to be an intimate gig of uh music, comedy, and art. And uh I think there's a lot of music. I think there's some art and a little bit of a little bit of comedy, don't you think, Kenny? Yeah. I mean, she's rolling, riding around on a tricycle. I mean, yeah, dressed as a clown. But um, it's a very, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a diehard fans wet dream of a set list. I mean, the stuff that she does, um, but it's also kind of a careful what you wish for, but also careful what you get. It, it's a lovely performance, but I, 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 I'd be curious to see how she would do, how she would translate it visually, in a real, like polished well, way. She was going to do it on reinvention. There's like footage of her rehearsing it 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know why it didn't make the set list ultimately. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that she did it. I felt like it wasn't the most, you know, it was a, it was fine. She was playing two track. I mean, they were, they were still playing live too, but like, um, I wonder how she, what she thinks about this song. I feel like she loves this song because there's something about the way she sings it on the album that feels like she can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think of this song as like, yeah, it depends on the era, but you know how there's that guitar sex, section to her shows? Yeah. I feel like this song would be in that guitar section with her doing it. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, I don't always, I, I think that I would love it if it were, I mean, I always imagine this kind of either acoustic or a completely like uh, acapella, acapella version of it. If you oh get it, gosh. you get it. If you don't, you don't moment. I think that would yeah. be kind of nice. I think uh, it would be a nice kind of fan. Favorite, I think deep cut fans favorite. It's definitely not like the tourist type of fan. So we yeah, right. know the song right. existed. But the, also I'm okay with some songs just don't perform well. Like I don't expect her to ever do Secret Garden. I don't expect her to ever do Secret. I don't. I just don't expect certain things because I just don't think they. I mean, even though some of them have, I just don't ever need them. I, I like them on yeah. the record. I don't. Yeah. I don't need yeah. them in other ways at all. Well, and I also think to Kenny's point about that she loves the song. I agree with you. Um, I also think I, I think that in this kind of era of domestic bliss that she's feeling and a kind of not conservatism, but she's she's settled. I think she really was buoyed the fact she could still galvanize this part of herself and really own it still. And it's still there within her, even though she's like, you know, making sure Lourdes gets off to school and she's, you know, making, do you know, I mean, there's a lot of domestic stuff happening in her life right now. And, and, and for, for really good reasons and really beneficial ways, but she could still like plug into the, the punk she was and is. And yeah. I think this song really, really, she can live inside of it. I mean, I think like when we talk about this album, we talk about that she wrote it in two parts, like, you know, she stepped away from this album for like eight or nine, eight months, something in the middle. Yeah. She'd started to write stuff right off, right when she got off tour. My instinct is that she wrote this in that first batch of songs right off the tour because she had that live energy. Yeah. And she was like, let's write songs That's really to play smart. live, you know? Yeah. Um, and then as she got into the year and the war happened and she and the 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 sense of this world changed, she got much more introspective and quiet. Um, which is what's reflected in the album, though. Of course, if you said those quiet to Madonna, she would yell at me. <laughs> Do you feel like Car, it's Car, one of those? Did you, Car, Sorry, I'm going to ask you a question, yeah, Car. Sure, you've been sure. you've been asking us questions. Um, <laughs> how did did this make you want to listen to the rest of the record? This was this a song that made you lean into the rest of American Life, or was at, this at first, kind of a one off thing that you? At first pass, or now? You mean? Um, and then. Let's, oh, let's start then, and then. I now. think it's an invitation, like like okay, you're 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 driving down, or you're you're climbing, you're walking down a road, and you hit this oil slick, or something. Then you slid. Mm -hmm. Now this song is a pure like sliding into the rest of the party, or what does the party have to offer? Especially like if you don't know and stuff like, yeah. and it, it just accelerates your heart and like okay, this is the vibe. This is it. This is it. It definitely goes in other directions. But yeah. you feel like, okay, now, now this is the vibe. This is this 
Patty Hearst punk version of a post Hollywood. Cause at that time you're now like in that moment and they're like, okay, no, 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 we're back in the East village now. Here we go. Here we go. And I think it, it's, a, it's definitely an invitation to the rest. It would have also been nice. It would have been nice to be the first uh, track. I think it's interesting. Oh, wow. That's third, you know, I think that, I mean, it's interesting as the third or I don't know what the philosophy is with like the track orders that people put in, but it would have been interesting if it was the last one. I, Ooh, I think it's, yeah. it's a great, oh my gosh. Uh, it's yeah. a great, it's a, it's also, I think that she has this really self deprecating way of, I mean, I think she definitely takes herself seriously in her art form very seriously. But at the same time, I think that she has this, um, oh, me again kind of thing. She said that one time that, oh, every I look in the mirror sometimes, it's like, oh, you again. Or I think she famously always says like, what is it? Smooth, sherbet, smooth, oh, yeah. Popshaw. Candy, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not candy perfume, but yes, shiny, silky, smooth, pop, luscious, pop princess, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's this version of herself that, yeah, yeah, that exactly. I think there's this version of herself that's like, don't take me to so seriously. This is just a joke. I'm having fun too. I mean, I don't believe she's she doesn't take herself seriously, but I think that she is like we all are are able to laugh at ourselves and be like, oh, I'm so fucking stupid. But at the same time, um, be really serious about our art. Well, and and I think, and in order not to to be submerged by your failings, it's you have to. That's the first thing you have to do is laugh at yourself and 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 kind of take the air out of it. Be like, you know, to be I, so literal with your. And I really think the song is just buoyant. It bounces back. It really is about the the self bouncing back, the sound bouncing back, the the energy. Everything about it is just about it's it's, it's a rubber band. And, and whereas yeah. you don't always have that. In life, you don't all things. Things sometimes like hurt you for a longer time than you expect, but not yeah. not here, not 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 right here, not this song. This yeah. is like okay, boom. Next week, I forgot all about it, but today, yeah, I feel stupid. Next week, uh, I'm, I'm I'm somewhere else. To fan to fan out a little bit even further, like I'm happy it's on it. Like there's so many cool stuff that never like let's say, uh, let's say uh, what was it on erotica? They took out um. Come inside. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, let down your guard. Uh, bedtime story. And this is like okay. Look, I love let down your guard. It's fun. It reminds me, by the way, of like going to Tower Records in Philadelphia at like a twelve a.m. release for some import CD or something like that. Some ninety story, I can tell you. And then I got. I, I purchased Let Down Your Guard and yeah. it wasn't on the album. And I felt like okay, this is a secret treasure that true fans can like. If it's before the internet and stuff like that, can you just get to or something? Yeah, and this song has, it's not the same song. It's not the same intention, but it has a thing of like, okay, good. She doesn't have to do, she could have done like a, a, a money-making ballad or something. Let's say, imagine that. And instead, she's decided to put this raw kind of song that could have been thought of as weak or laughable on it with intention. Yeah. Totally. Well, it, it, to me, it's like she she's putting her secrets now out on out in the out of the shadow. She's pulling her secret stuff, her freak so her freaky self. Do you I guys was, connect her personal life to songs a lot? Yeah, I was gonna say that 
I this is exactly what I was going to say, which is that I, you know, the song, this album is called American Life, and for all the press around it, that it was about her and the war and politics. I think that this is a really, really, really deep um, look in the mirror album about what's really happening in her life and the things that she's really profoundly grappling with. I think American Life is that question of that song is that question of like. Um, well, I have all these things. What did they give me? And did I was I pursuing the right thing? I think Hollywood is this disillusionment disillusionment in a more specific way. With we've watched Madonna for twenty years try to make movies and try to make this work, and how hard and it's been kind of a horrible journey to watch. You know, a painful a, a lot of the time. You know, successful some of the time, and then we have this song where she's talking about the regrets of and the ways that she's been tempted by money and fame and love and sex and glamour and trying to get away from those things. And then we have Nobody Knows Me coming up, you know, which is another like really deep reflective song, Easy Ride. I mean, I think that the that this album in a lot of ways is like a midlife crisis, crisis album. Mm. It's like, oh, that's smart. you know, she's really yeah. like, how do I shed? How do I shed this stuff? How do I let it go? These things that these trappings have trapped me, and I do connect it to her personal life, like the all the ways that she's trying to break free of who she, all this persona that she's you know built up around her and has trapped her. Sometimes I wonder if she had just dropped this with no kind of like Prince di does did, where he would just drop something without any context or any kind of promotion or any kind of commentary. She just dropped it. How, how we would feel about it now, because, you know, this is the only album in her canon where I feel like she could leave it all behind at the end. She could leave it all behind um, because she's facing these truths and it's in some ways setting her free but not in a way of like, I'll show you motherfuckers. It's more of, I know my truth and that's enough for me that I know it. And that feels, a, that's a very different energy than it ever is again and it ever was before. And sometimes, and obviously because there's a lot of promo and there's videos and there's interviews and there's all this stuff going on and there's kissing on MTV and all this stuff that... um we know she's not going to give it all up because the machine's continuing to go, but she could have. I never thought of her as, I think, in the previous albums, or maybe some friends were like, oh yeah, this is her farewell song or something. I never thought, think of that. I always think of it as, this is, I think she is, has guided so much in me and I think a lot of different people in terms of like, okay, that was, that's who I was then. And that died. I, I, I said it, I expressed it. It's, it's out of my system. And so that person died. And so now I can be this fresh new thing. And this fresh other new thing is, is going to be, uh, I don't know, you know, pick a year or something and then that that's kind of where it falls well I, you know i talked about with american life um that there were there have been times where i ebb and flow sometimes in my appreciation and love and commitment to madonna like are there times where you like are less engaged and more engaged absolutely i think that like we are it's hard to be like full on i mean we have lives i think that that's the brilliance about um 
popular culture, if you survive in it as a as a leader in it, that people can kind of check in as they are evolving. We know when it's borderline time and you have nothing to do but look at MTV, that consumes you at a time. But then you fast forward to, uh, let's say, I don't know where you are in life around the time of erotica, the time of like, um, I don't know, um, where Evita. she is right now, Evita, or where she is right now, yeah. you, you you might need to just check in because maybe it means life has other factors that you try to plug into at different times. But when I was, uh, I'm not from New York, New York. I'm, I'm from the South and I was in the deep suburbs. Like I always say, I was buried in the suburbs growing up and watching MTV, watching hours of television watching MTV as like a kid and seeing that thing, that person to me as a kid in the suburbs, a boy scout going to malls and stuff like that. And being also, you know, and, and then seeing borderline to be honest. And then by the way, I also thought that was New York too. So uh, <laughs> I, it was like lightning, a lightning bolt struck me. And I just saw like this street urchin sex, like cool, that, that I wanted to tap into this this coolness that I couldn't even touch. I thought was something I wanted to tap into, and I know that the video is also about this cool chick that gets um, photographed, and I, I, it, maybe it was it, it, that kind of both fed it. And to this day, like even seeing the video to this day, and seeing like I guess her kick that pole when the guy turns her down in front of the pool hall, to me like resonant. It just clicked instantly back. So fast forward to. Uh, you get older, you get gayer, you get out, you know, stuff like that. And all that happens and you realize, oh, this person is right along with you. They're lockstep with you in these moments, in this. You don't love every single release or every single look or every single hair color. If we want to be reductive or something like that. But at the same time, they are like this, this reflection of you. And that's where I kind of look at so I, I, yes, I am to answer that. Yes, I am a fan, but it's also it's also I think it's this reflection of us, the eighties, the nineties, the aughts, gayness, everything all mixed. It's being self-involved, being nasty, being nice, growing your family. It it, yeah. it continues to weave us in and out, and I think that's the brilliance of. And I don't even think it's by design. I think it's just. It's just we just happen to life. I think I think some people in life are more interesting than others, let's be honest. And I think mm-hmm. this person happens to be an interesting person. It 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 does feel it, it, as it continues to go, it feels like a singular jerk, like nobody else could kind of encapsulate everything that we're all going through and um the world's going through in the last 40 years, like she has. Yeah, I think that it's like for me, when I moved to the big city, so to speak, it was more like I felt like I there was there was a jetpack of fuel, and I saw borderline. I saw um, also other media too. That by the time you like you know I'm smarty pants. I'm in art school and stuff like that. But weirdly enough, she was lockstep with me right then and there, being more creative then too, not just stuck in this. Let's say who's that girl era or whatever. Yeah. And I started looking at that as like, oh that's performance art or whatever. And so everything I started to just dig deeper and deeper into it and. Uh, I, uh, and so in seeing how, where we are now 
where she is now. It's like I give a lot of space in a sense. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll check back in or I will be obsessed for like a week or for two weeks. I'll only listen to, I don't know, a, a, a Junior Vasquez remix of a bedtime story or something like that, you know, and that's, then I'll just leave it then and there. And then I'll go to where we are in 2023. So that's it. When, when did you move to New York? Oh man, I moved to New York. Ah, I think 96. 96. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I moved to New York at the tail end of my teen years. Nice. Yeah. And it, it was, was a good very, time to be in New York. It was a good time to be in New York. It was a good time to sneak to the tunnel and listen to Junior Vasquez and the rumor that she was there and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if she ever was and stuff like that. And so that at that time, it was a, it was a high, late 90s version of New York that I lived in. Yeah. The packing yeah. district still had sex clubs and... uh there wasn't as much posh areas and stuff like that. And the first friend of mine that ever paid more than a thousand dollars rent, we couldn't believe it. We thought he must have been a millionaire. We, my friends thought this guy was a millionaire. His rent was over a thousand dollars. I couldn't believe it. And, <laughs> and now, and I think about that. And I think about, I remember, uh, I know we're not talking about the song, but I remember like the first time I got cruised by a guy, I was listening to skin. And to this day, I think about that guy staring at me on the on the on the bus and stuff in Brooklyn, and I couldn't believe. And you know, he just like, oh wow, this. Is, so it's kind of like these moments happen over yeah. and over. Yeah. I wonder if Madonna, when she went to the tunnel, she took Lourdes in a papoose no. <laughs> with earplugs in, like she did at the Fleetwood Mac show. <laughs> I didn't know that happened, but I. I, I, Maybe I, she I, did. I if you remember the nineties, if you remember the tunnel, if you remember Junior Vasquez era and stuff like that, I'm not. I, I was. I was a tiny little mouse running around and so like sneaking in as a teenager and stuff like that, and getting in super early, and the doorman was nice or whatever, let me in. And the rumor, I don't know if it was real, but the rumor that she was, oh my God, then like yeah. you know, I've never. I've, I don't have those New York stories of like running in. You know, I mean, of course, we're all New Yorkers. We're all creative, so we have those six degrees of separation of people work with her. But I, I don't even pretend to. You know, we're, we're different adults. I just have a, just a quick question. I know we're wrapping up on this, but yeah. this album in general, besides the art direction and the fashion choices, excuse me if I'm wrong, but where is it actually about war? The video for American Life has a lot of war imagery, but other okay, than you're that, right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. My which mistake. is sort of where all and the then also perform it live, and had it, right? Yeah. yeah, but I don't think I think it was it was a it was kind of like um, a misdirect, um, and maybe I wouldn't say it was a mistake because I I think she I feel like she was wearing the 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 vision the the outfits of war, but she wasn't really talking about the war. You know, but she was talking about our culture, I think, and her, her, you know, sort of perpetuating and being a victim of this American dream, American culture that caused a lot of the issues that caused 9-11 that, you know, that she's sort of looking at it, I think, through that lens. But I don't think she has like, there's not a, a song about war on this album, right? Would you say, Mark, or? No, no, I think you're right. Um, I do think that the art direction and the packaging does kind of give it that 
uh, shadow to it. Um, I mean, the, the other con- the context is is that she she put a record out called American Life in a year where we were at war, and I think that there there's something about that. You don't need to really have a song about it to be about. That's just that's kind of where we were in 2003 and that's what everyone was talking about and everyone was focusing on and i remember there was talk would we have to reignite the draft and you know we were of i was of an age where i would have been eligible and uh, those conversations were happening certainly in the midwest and so i think that you know had she had she called the record you know i'm so stupid i don't think necessarily would have had that same connotation that it wound up having. And I think possibly the record company wouldn't have spun the press about it the same way either. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the record company wanted to do any press about this album that was about the war, you know? Um, But I do like an idea that there there could have been an album called I'm So Stupid. I mean, I actually agree with you, Kari. Like, I think the like uh, I this is an album. I've done this with other albums too, where like I reorder the album on my playlist, you know, in the order I like, and take out the songs I don't like. And I'm so stupid. Is I put I'm so stupid at the top of that playlist sometimes, and then go into <laughs> like, um, then go into American Life, or even sometimes I've cut American Life. I'm just gonna be honest. Um, well, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear I'm so stupid go right into American Life. Can you imagine like that? Everybody's looking for something, and then I have to change. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Right. Yeah. That would be a one-two yeah. punch, Kenny Finkel. All right. Well, <laughs> let, we'll talk to Madonna and see if she, when they reissue if she'll think about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a song that – this is one of the few songs that I, 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 I wish there were remixes of. I wish they had done – I wish it had been a single or something with mixes. I think it would have been so cool. I liked how it just lives in, like, a dirty cassette tape. Yeah. You know, it just lives in its own. It's like a cassette tape that it's a demo cassette tape, and it's not remixed and refined. And it's just like you just went to, I mean, you know, please forgive me, people actually went to the mud club and stuff like that. But yeah. like, I, I never went there, but I imagine, you know, that it's like that, that it just lives perpetually in this, hey, listen to my demo. And this is yeah. some weird punk, some punk chick called Madonna who put together yeah. this this kind of weird song and it and it sits there and waits for someone else to discover it yeah. play my track when it yeah. stumbles on yeah. <laughs> thank you Kari so much absolutely anytime I appreciate mm-hmm. you oh my gosh we appreciate you I'm so glad you made the time and this was really really fun so maybe you'll come back again <laughs> yeah. until next time <laughs> bye bye